Well, Merry Christmas. I hope you guys are good. I'm excited to be here with you tonight. What a great um, time to come together and celebrate uh, Christmas and uh, just to celebrate what this means for us. And I love the song we just sang, King of Kings. Um, it just really, to me, it helps remind me of why Jesus came, um, why we celebrate the birth of Christ and um, what that really, really means for us um, as we come together and celebrate that tonight. And so um, I'm, I'm, I really feel like um, that the Lord's put something in my heart. I've been praying over this for really about a week and a half, two weeks, and, and I'm looking forward to sharing this with you. Um, we're going to start uh, actually in Genesis 1. I, I want us to read the first three verses there. So if you brought a Bible, you can uh, turn there now, Genesis 1, the first three verses, and then um, it'll be on the screen if you didn't bring a Bible. But um, let's go ahead and read that, and then I want to pray for us, and then we'll jump in to this. It says in Genesis 1, 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word and your truth. I thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet, God, that you lead and guide us through your truth, Lord. I thank you that your spirit, the Holy Spirit, that he guides us into all truth. And Lord, I pray that you would do that tonight. I pray, God, and I thank you, Father, that you meet each one of us where we are right now. But holidays stir up different emotions and different people and oftentimes different emotions even within each one of us, Lord. I thank you that you meet us here today. I thank you, God, that you are our hope, that you are our strength, that, God, you have shined the light of Christ into our hearts giving us something to celebrate, that you sent Jesus, that he came, God, willingly laying down his life, that we could have something to look to, something to look forward to, Father, in Christ. And God, I pray that this service up to now, I pray, God, that this service from here on, that it would be a true celebration of the birth of Jesus. And God, you would be worshiped and glorified for who you are and what you've done. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, how many of you remember, um, for some of us it's been longer than others, but you can remember those uh, Christmas mornings when um, you would get up as a child and you'd go maybe into the living room, and some of you probably have the same kind of memories as me. It was one of those things where, um, you know, I would always have to wait kind of in the hallway um, until everything was ready, and then mom and dad would let me come in, and um, it was like when I saw that Christmas tree, and I saw the presents under that tree, it was almost, it was magical, right? You remember that? You, you're kind of like in awe. You're like, <gasps> you know, it kind of like would take your breath, right? I mean, you're just so, it was like, almost like it was like, I don't know, it had like a glow or something, you know? It was one of those moments. And my heart for tonight is that when we leave here, we would have that kind of awe about Jesus. That we'd live in that kind of awe of Christ. Um, and 
if we can really see who it was and what was in this trough, who was and what was really born in the manger, then I think tonight we'll leave here with a greater sense of awe and a true sense of celebration in our heart for what we're really celebrating tomorrow. When we look at Genesis chapter 1, it, um, it tells us that in the beginning, the, the, God created the heavens and the earth. It was dark. It was formless. It was void. And God spoke, and he said, let there be light. And there was light. And I want you to kind of picture in your mind. I was thinking about this today. I want you to kind of picture in your mind, you know, just darkness. And then all of a sudden, this light just pierces the darkness, and bam, it's, it's, there's light. And then God begins to create everything else and this light of God is, is giving life and God is breathing life and God is creating life and all of this is happening in the beginning. And we see where God creates everything and it was good and then we get to Genesis chapter three and, and sin happens. Adam and Eve, they rebel against God. We see this played out and um, they're deceived and they sin and, and then what happens? Darkness once again enters the earth. Darkness again enters the earth. But see, here's the thing. It's not so much a physical darkness, it's a darkness inside of them, Right? I know it's not Sunday morning and it feels weird, but it's the same God, right? So let's, let's, let's be awake. Let's be alive. Don't think about what you're going to eat after this, what presents you might have got. You'll, you'll get it. But, but listen, it's, it's the darkness that it wasn't a physical darkness where um, they couldn't see. It was a spiritual darkness that they couldn't see in. It was a spiritual darkness that was in them. It was a darkness of the soul. It was a darkness of the spirit. It was death. They were physically alive, but they were spiritually dead. We looked at a lot of what this darkness, what it really looks like in Malachi last week. If you were here Sunday, um, this past Sunday, we looked at the book of Malachi, and we talked about this. We told you that Malachi was the last prophet in a long line of prophets that God had sent to declare the word of God to his people. And um, Malachi um, spoke, and, and God spoke through Malachi. And then after Malachi was done, when he put a period on that, after that last word, for 400 years, there was silence. God did not speak through a prophet. Um, there was just silence. And we saw even in Malachi's day, the darkness that existed. If you remember, and you can think back to what we talked about, and even if you haven't, this will kind of catch you up um, if you weren't here. But, but in that um, book of Malachi, we went through the whole thing. And the first thing we saw in there, as far as the darkness goes, was this immaturity. You remember they were doubting God. They were questioning God. They were saying, how have you loved us, God? Really, have you really loved us, God? There was this immaturity, this childish kind of mentality of God, you don't do enough. God, you're not good enough. 
And then we saw Malachi go on and under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he begins to talk about their half-hearted worship, how they bring these lame and diseased animals uh, to, to offer them to God and the priest who should be teaching them what is right, he would accept them and they were offering these, these sacrifices to God. And we see we're even bringing those to God in this half-hearted worship, it had become a burden to them. We saw next that there was a loss of integrity amongst the priests. There was a, this, this loss of integrity. They, they weren't being integrated into the people of God. Um, they weren't being held together by the truth of God. The truth of God had been put to the side, and they were just kind of living out their life however they wanted to live it. And instead of being integrated, having integrity of word and deed, they began to be disintegrated. They began to fall apart, and that disintegration, um, it it began to cause relational issues, first between them and God. Then it began to cause relational issues in the family. Then it began to cause relational issues within the community. And justice was not being done. All of these things were happening. It was disintegrating. And in all of it, this is what we saw. We saw this half-hearted devotion to God that was causing the people of God to literally disintegrate. This darkness was, was living in them. Instead of the light of God shining through them, this darkness was living in them. They were arrogantly living like God was an option and worship was a burden. And when we went through all of that, we talked about how so much of that is still true today, right? So much of that is still true today. We see so much of that today. But even in the book of Malachi, that if you just read it um, and you don't really pay attention to each verse, it seems like just this book of condemnation. But we saw that even in all the darkness that Malachi talked about, that God still reminded them of his continued love and his unchanging nature, that he was still pleading for them to return back to him, to turn their hearts back to him, that he still offered them a relationship of life and of peace, that he still showed this relentless pursuit of those he loved by foretelling of one who would come, of one who would come who had the power to refine hearts, who had the power to change hearts, who had the power to give new hearts, who had the power to write his decrees, not on tablets of stone, but on our hearts to put his spirit in us and move us to follow him, to give us um, a, a new desire and a passion for him. And he foretells us this. Even in the midst of all that darkness, God is trying to show them, I'm coming after you. My love has not changed because I do not change. I'm going to make a way. Yet still after Malachi, 400 years of silence. 400 years of darkness. It didn't get better. We know that in Jesus' time, this was still going on. We know that in our day today, it's still in many ways going on. And so for 400 years, silence. For 400 years, darkness. See, here's something that's incredible. Hundreds of years. This is incredible, guys. Hundreds of years before even the silence began. 
hundreds of years before the silence would come to an end as John the Baptist, the next prophet in that line of prophets, would begin to speak and prepare the way for the Messiah. Hundreds of years before that, a prophet by the name of Isaiah said this. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, he said this. He said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. There's 400 years of silence. 400 years of darkness. And then suddenly, suddenly, light appeared as suddenly listen it was just as sudden as when the earth was dark and void and formless and empty it was just as sudden as when God said let there be light that one day this 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 little town of Bethlehem this world that's consumed with darkness this hopeless place this world that has no hope this world that, that, that is living in death this world that is spiritually dark, they're dark in their souls, then this world of darkness in, in this moment, in this manger, this woman named Mary who was pregnant with a baby from the Holy Spirit, in a moment she gave birth and light came into the world. Let me tell you how the Apostle John tells us this. John chapter 1, verse 4, he says this, In him was, the light, was life. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's powerful. Then in all the darkness of the world, that Jesus comes and he is born and the word is made flesh. All that God has ever been saying and trying to show of his character, his nature, his love, the person that he is, is born in this manger. The light comes forward. And even though he was rejected by many, even though he was um, um, not even accepted by his own, the Bible tells us that the light shined in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Not only will the darkness, not have, that it hasn't overcome it, the darkness will never overcome it because the light is greater than the darkness in the world. I'm glad you're here, Paul. Just as suddenly, let there be light. Jesus is born. Light comes into the world. I want you to see how this happened. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while that guy, Q, we'll call him Q. How about that, Q? That took place while Q was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph... This vest was a good idea, but it, it, it ain't going to work, y'all. It's just too hot. So Joseph went, also went up from the town of Nazareth 
in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary. He was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So the light comes, and suddenly um, she gives birth, and the light of life is born, and she places him in the trough, in this manger. She has this baby, and here's the thing that we, we kind of miss sometimes. We sometimes miss what was really lying in this trough. Who was in the trough? Not a trick question. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that part's right. Yeah, yeah, good. That's always the answer. In church, there's a question. Just say Jesus. But what was really there, guys? What was really there? We look at this baby and we kind of like, oh, cute little baby. But what was really there? God in the flesh, the light of the world was in that trough. The light of the world who reveals, listen, who reveals our own wicked heart, our own wounded heart, but shines into our hearts with the healing power of forgiveness and love. How many of you have ever experienced the healing power of the light of the world? that comes to warm and to begin to heal and to begin to nurture and begin to give strength again. See, here's what's wild. He was born in the dirt. The one who was perfectly clean and would live a perfectly clean life was born in the dirt. He became dirty so we could become clean. He came to this obscure place, this obscure beginning. And he came to this obscure beginning in this obscure place. He was born in obscurity because he wasn't born to be put up on a stage. He was born to be put up on a cross. See, he could have, he could have taken the stage. He could have taken the world. But then the light of his love would have never shined in our heart. He wasn't born for the stage. He was born for the cross. He was the bread of life. In the trough laid the bread of life. This bread that Jesus said, if you eat of it, you'll live forever. I'll give you eternity. You'll never be hungry. If you'll come to me, you'll never be thirsty. The bread of life. The bread, and we're going to take communion in a minute, that represents his body. What, what, what about his body? The body, listen, the body that was in this trough, but not this actual one, but one kind of like it. The body that was there is the body that took your sin and my sin upon it and then took the wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to endure it. The bread of life. The righteous one. The one that 2 Corinthians 5 tells us 
the, the righteous one who became unrighteous so that we could become the righteousness of God. He lay in that trough. He was the gate. He was the gate. He said this. He says, I'm the gate. What did he mean by that? He says, I'm the gate through which you come into my kingdom. See, when he was born here, it wasn't just the light of life that was in him. The kingdom of God was in him. He brought with him the kingdom of God. And he said, it's through me. I'm the gate through which you can enter into the kingdom. And Colossians 1.13 tells us this. Paul wrote this. He said that, that we have now been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son whom he loves, meaning God's kingdom. He's the gate by which we enter into the kingdom. We've been transferred from darkness into light. In the trough laid a king. In the trough laid a king of a kingdom. But he wasn't any king, and it wasn't any kingdom. He was the king of kings. This baby was the king of kings. He was the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. And the amazing thing that he said about the good shepherd, he said, the hireling, the one who's just hired to watch the sheep that the sheep don't belong to, when things get kind of um, challenging, when the enemy comes, when the lion or the bear or whatever comes to attack the sheep, the wolf comes into the sheepfold. He said, the hireling that the sheep don't belong to, he runs away. But he says, the shepherd is willing to lay down his life to protect the sheep. And the good shepherd, said this, he said, no one can take my life from me. I'm willingly laying it down for you. And see this baby who was born, who was the good shepherd, when, when, when he was born and as he grew up and, and he goes to the cross, it wasn't Pontius Pilate that put him on the cross. It wasn't our sin that put him on the cross. It wasn't the Jews that put him on the cross. You know who put Jesus on the cross? Jesus. The good shepherd laid down his life for us. The shepherd was in the trough. He was the resurrection and the life. And listen, who through his death and resurrection conquered death forever. These are all the I am statements in John, in John the gospel of John. Again, in verse six, go through verse 15. He's the resurrection and the life through who his death and resurrection overcame death, took victory over death took the, 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 the keys um, to death from Satan. He now has the ability that when we put our faith in him, he brings us to life. And it's not a temporary life, it's eternal life that we don't wait to get to heaven to have from the moment we come to faith in Jesus and the light of Christ shines in our hearts. We enter into eternal life. Jesus said to know, or eternal life is to know the Father, John 17.5, I think it is. Eternal life is to know the Father. He's given us this life. 
And because of his life, because of his death, because of his resurrection, listen, death has lost its sting. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Now we have hope. He tells us too that in this trough was the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to the Father. The way. We can look at it a lot of different ways, but I want to tell you this. In a pluralistic society where there's different ways to do everything, there's one way to the Father. Let me tell you why I know that's so. Because every other way tells you this, that God's at the top of a mountain. And if you work hard enough, you might be able to get to that mountain. But there's no possibility of us ever climbing that mountain in our own strength. God is higher than our, us. God is, his ways are not our ways. Jesus, God in the flesh came down the mountain to get us. He came down the mountain to meet us where we are so that we can one day be where he is. It's the only possibility of doing that. Jesus the way and the truth. He's the truth of God revealed. He shows us who God is as he's God in the flesh, but he also shows us who we are in him, by faith in him, who we have now become. He's the life. You see, Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. Jesus came to make those dead men, those dark men alive. We've got that messed up in the church. We think it's about being good. Jesus didn't come to make us good. Jesus came to make us alive so that we could live for him. The Bible tells us that in this trough was the true vine, not only the giver of life, but the sustainer of life. That when we walk with him, he sustains us. He supplies us what we need. It doesn't mean that adversity doesn't come. It doesn't mean that challenges doesn't come. Jesus even told us that in this world we'll have trouble, but he said, take heart, I've overcome the world. We're gonna face challenges, especially if we seek to live a, a godly life and we seek to pursue Christ and we seek to walk with him. There's gonna be trouble. There's gonna be persecution. It's going to come. But as we cling to the vine, what we know is that he will give me everything I need to sustain me in the adversity. I want to finish with this, and, and this has just been on my heart the last few days. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 45, Jesus tells us a parable. Right before this, he tells us one about a hidden treasure, and um, a man finds it in the field. He goes and sells everything he has, and in joy, he goes and, and buys that field. He tells us that this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And then in verse 45, he says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about Jesus. And that when he came as the light of life, 
He came to reveal to us God. He came to reveal to us the kingdom. He came so that we could come into the kingdom, that we could be reconciled to the Father. And in this parable, Jesus is saying, entering into the kingdom, entering into fellowship with God, entering into fellowship with Jesus. He's saying it is so um, good. It is so great. The value is so high when we really see it. He's saying the value is so high that it's worth selling everything else for to be able to have this. And then I started thinking about Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Jesus, in this section of Scripture, it's the, par- the, the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 7, 6, he says this. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. When Jesus says this, as I studied it, what basically he's saying is, listen, when you encounter people that you've tried to endeavor to share the gospel with, he's like, there comes a point when you have to kind of back away. He's saying, unless, if, if you don't, then it's going to do more harm than good. And it hit me that Jesus came to earth. He was born. The light came into the world knowing that he would be rejected. Knowing that he would be rejected violently. Knowing that he would be trampled upon by men. That he would be put on a cross to die. And yet he came into the world anyway. And I started thinking about it. It is as though, as we think about dogs in that day, they were really wild animals. It wasn't like your dog you take to get groomed and wears the sweater and all that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about dogs that were scavengers, that were wild, that were dangerous. When we talk about pigs, we're not talking about bacon because probably all of us like bacon probably too much. We're talking about animals that were seen as unclean. Animals that um, in that day could be dangerous. If you've ever been around a wild hog or something, you know they can be dangerous. And what I realized in this is that in the coming of Christ, God willingly gave and Jesus willingly came as this pearl of great value knowing that he was going to be trampled upon, knowing that he was going to be violently opposed, knowing what he was going to endure, yet he came anyway. That in the trough, it was this pearl of great value who would endure this hardship, this pain. We see that God gave what is holy to those so many who reject him that God gave this pearl of great price that would be turned upon, that would be trampled upon. And he did this so that those who would receive him, those who would receive him, those who would not reject him, those who, who would not turn upon him, those who would not trample upon him, that those who would receive him could become children of God. 
born again through the power of the Holy Spirit by faith in Christ. See, in the manger, in the trough, in the swaddling clothes, in all of that was the light of life. It was our salvation. It was our hope. It was the guarantee that we would never be alone again, that he would always be with us, even to the ends of the age. In him was our reconciliation. In him was a reconciliation amongst ourselves, the ability to have right relationships even amongst ourselves. In him was the ability to be sustained and strengthened for the journey. In him we found again our purpose for life. much more, much more than just celebrating that there was a baby in a manger. When Jesus came and he lived, before he, he died, he had some time with his disciples in the upper room. And when he was with them, the Bible tells us that he took bread, he was eating with them for the last time and he took bread and he broke it. And it says he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this and eat it. He said, this is my body that was given for you. That body that we talked about, the bread of life that bore the sin of all mankind. Not just the little sins, that we don't mind talking about. But the light shines into the darkest ones too. And he took that sin upon himself and he was crucified. The wrath of God placed upon him. In just a minute, we're gonna take communion and you're gonna be able to come and take a piece of that bread that symbolizes the body of Christ. And today as we come and we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, this birth that opened up heaven to us, I want you to remember what was really in that manger. And then you're gonna take that bread and listen, don't, don't take the cup and drink out of it. Take the bread, you can dip it in the juice, it is juice. And Jesus, that night, he took the cup with the wine and he, he blessed it. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And it's through the shedding of his blood on the cross that our sins are forgiven, that our reconciliation happens. And we come and we remember the blood that was pulsating through this baby's body. that ultimately was shed for our forgiveness, for our redemption, for our reconciliation. I'm gonna pray for us and I would encourage you to examine your hearts as scripture teaches. Prepare our hearts, but listen, it doesn't mean it's a somber moment, it's a celebratory moment. Communion is a time to remember and to celebrate who God is and what God's done, what he's done for us, who we've become in him. 
And as you come, you can take the bread, dip it into the juice, eat it. You can pray up here. You can go back to your seat and pray. Come with your family. Come as you feel led. Listen, um, we have some gluten-free bread over here. The white tablecloth right there to my left has gluten-free bread. You can go and that'll be available for you. But tonight I want to encourage you. Let's really spend time remembering, reflecting. Let's let this be a time that we can celebrate the birth. We can celebrate the life of Christ. So, Father, I thank you for your truth. God, I thank you for your word, the word that became flesh. The word, God, became flesh. And, God, that that word is the light of man, that you walked among us, you lived among us, you made your dwelling among us. God, you made a way. You've opened heaven to us. You've opened relationship to us. And God, we come to remember that now. And we pray, God. We pray that as we come and we take these, this bread and this juice, Lord, that our hearts will be stirred by your spirit and our affections would grow for you and our lives would reflect that in worship. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.